in the hobby. It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking that we could pull, I don't know, Hall of Famer. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com. The only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. There is nothing more fun than opening an Arena Club slab pack. I mean, it is so much better than any mystery pack that I've ever purchased because there is a focus on transparency. There is a display of available cards. There are hit rates you can get. When you're graded, you're given a rationale. It is the marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, and displaying. Arena Club Slab Packs are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your pulls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. You can have them officially graded by Arena Club. The Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent, with a full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. Whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform you have to check out. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash badmoney. Wow, that's a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack, that's $40 right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash badmoney for 10% off your first purchase. I love to track progress. As you guys know from listening to this show, I'm constantly tracking my progress. What have we done so far in 2024? And spring is in full bloom. Are your finances blooming too? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans like for a car or a home. You can use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. That's right, you can build your credit using your own money. Get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. With a qualifying direct deposit, you can get access to your money sooner. Fee-free overdraft with SpotMe. Overdraft up to $200 without fees with SpotMe when you set up a qualified direct deposit. Just set up a qualifying direct deposit, sign up for SpotMe, and Chime will spot you up to your limit when you make a credit card purchase or cash withdrawal that exceeds your balance. Access 60,000 plus fee-free ATMs. That's more than the top three national banks combined. Easily find one near you with the Chime app. Send and receive money. Use Chime to pay anyone, Chime members or not, and cash out your money fee-free. With Chime's secure credit card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started at Chime.com slash bad money. That's Chime.com slash bad money. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. You got problems that you ought to be concerned with. Hoorah! You don't know how you're supposed to earn it or what to do with it or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret. But you're not the only one. Get your hidden financial fears with a blast of sun. Now your healing has begun. It's bad with money with Gabby Dunn. Hello, I'm Gabby Dunn, and this is Bad With Money. It's been a year since the coronavirus hit square in the middle of the U.S.'s tax filing season. As if there wasn't enough stress, people's incomes changed drastically. 
In response, the government extended the tax deadline to July 15th, 2020, but still millions of Americans just couldn't swing it. Here's how taxes usually work here. In most cases and places, we pay both federal and state income taxes. My parents in Florida, for example, though, don't have a state income tax. Neither do Alaska, Tennessee, Nevada, a few others. You can look it up. Taxes are based on your taxable income and the specific tax rate at any given time. So if you've ever heard someone bitch about taxes, they're probably annoyed by the rate that a politician has chosen. Certain aspects of your income behaviors and choices can be considered tax credits, and basically around tax time, you calculate your deductions and see if you end up needing to pay taxes or if you're owed a refund. Taxes go to things like education, Social Security and Medicaid, and defense. So you don't get to choose what you agree they should be spent on, which is why I struggle with my taxes being used for military weapons. It's a complicated and needlessly so process everyone goes through every year. Sometimes you're pleasantly surprised with a refund, and sometimes you owe money because, let's say, like me, you forgot to check the box to have taxes withheld from your paycheck, or you made a lot more money that particular year and you didn't put aside any for taxes. This show is called Bad With Money for a reason. Maybe also, like me, you're convinced the IRS is going to kick in your door and arrest you for forgetting one of the hundreds of forms you have to turn in. Kim Palmer is NerdWallet's go-to spokesperson for the 2021 tax season, and she's been all over Twitter with her advice and thoughts on taxes during this unprecedented time. That's right. Taxes are already complicated, but because of COVID, there's a lot of new tax stuff that everyone needs to know. She graciously came on the show to share tax tips and tricks to discuss what laws and situations have changed during COVID and why the IRS is not going to come kick in my door and arrest me, although I remain skeptical. Kimberly, for my listeners, can you tell them who you are and what you do? Sure. I'm Kim Palmer, personal finance expert at NerdWallet. And NerdWallet, it's a website and an app. And basically, we help people with money. As for me, I mean, before I joined NerdWallet, I was a personal finance editor at US News and World Report and AARP Magazine. And I've written three books about personal finance. So basically, I love talking about money. Well, you've come to the right place. (laughs) Okay, so we want to talk about taxes because this will be coming out before the traditional filing date of April 15th. American taxpayers were in the middle of tax filing season when corona hit us. So for complete newbies, when are taxes typically filed for each year? And like, what were people doing right when corona hit in 2020? Yeah, well, usually the taxes are due, of course, on April 15th. And that was right in the middle of the pandemic heating up and it was just very stressful. And so the IRS gave us all more time. So we had a delayed filing season last year. And I think that's why it feels like tax season is happening so quickly this year. And a lot of people feel like we just did taxes. How is it possible that we're already doing them again? But it's because we didn't get an extension this year. Some people thought we might, but no, taxes are due the normal time, April 15th. Cool. Just in general, how do most people file their taxes? Do they do it on their own or do they have an accountant or do they have an H&R block? Well, most people do have some help in some form. Uh, So usually for most people, that just means using tax prep software. It's really easy. It's really affordable. And you can file your taxes online. If you do it completely on your own on paper, 
it's just very time consuming because it's so much paperwork and few people still do that now. Definitely a minority of people still do it that way. Uh, so most people either use online tax software prep or they use tax professionals. And either of those choices are good. I think for a lot of people, as long as your situation isn't too complicated, then using tax prep software is the way to go. Yeah. I, well, I think a lot of people's situations got real complicated in 2020. So what tax laws, has any tax law changed over the last year in, in response to the pandemic? Well, tax law hasn't really changed, but our situations have completely changed. It's had an impact on taxes and how much we'll pay. And so basically, because so many people moved locations, they might have moved to a different state. I mean, people lost jobs. They also picked up new jobs, especially freelance work or contract work. And all of that impacts your taxes. And so I think the biggest things to consider and to just make sure you understand is that number one, with unemployment income, which of course a lot of people got this year, unemployment income is taxable. And I think a lot of people are surprised by that and confused, but it's really important to know that ahead of time so you can set money aside and make sure you have that to pay when you are filing your taxes because you might owe money on that unemployment income. And then the other thing to know is that with stimulus checks, which of course so many people got in the last year, they're not taxable. So I think that difference between those two can be confusing. Yeah, we had a, a first episode with someone who talked about there being taxes on, on unemployment. Has there been any pushback to that? Is there any legislation or anything where people were sort of like, hey, this is a really weird time. Like, can we not do this? Unfortunately, there doesn't seem to be movement to actually change that, how it's done. And so as Americans, we should probably just assume it's going to continue and we and unemployment income will continue to be taxed. There has been pushback about how it's how it's communicated to people and just to make sure people don't have that surprise because I think that's where it gets super stressful. And in a lot of cases, you can actually opt to set the taxes aside when you receive the money. And so that can be helpful to people just from a planning perspective. I mean, no one wants to suddenly owe taxes that they weren't expecting. And then the other thing to know is that it does vary a lot by state. So it is taxed on the federal level, but then by state, it actually varies. And some states do not tax the unemployment income. Oh, what states? Like, I'm from Florida. I feel like Florida doesn't, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't have all 50 states memorized, so I couldn't <laughs> tell you. But yeah, I mean, if you you should definitely, you can look it up for your own state pretty easily with a web search. So even though deadlines were extended, a lot of people still missed those deadlines. Yes. What's the idea behind that? I, I was reading, obviously, the, the NerdWallet tax report, and it said millions of taxpayers filed late in 2020 facing penalties and interest. So what sort of penalties and interest are they are they facing? Well, first of all, the reason that people are filing late is partly because they are so stressed and worried about owing money. And so people just put it off. Of course. On top of everything. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. I mean, it's it's stressful. There's no way around that. But I think what makes it more stressful is that they so if you are late and you owe money, then you do end up paying fees and interest. And so if you miss that April 15th deadline, for example, and you owe the IRS money, it'll just 
add to the money you owe because you'll have to pay fees, you'll have to pay interest. So one thing you can do if you know that you're going to owe money, but you also know you just don't have it and you can't pay it, you can still file your taxes, but actually set up a plan, an installment plan with the IRS. So you have it spread out over the coming year. And that can be helpful and maybe take away a little bit of the anxiety if you know you don't have to come up with it all by April 15th. Is the problem that people just don't understand how to do them and they end up paying way more than they need to because they're not, they don't know what's to be written off or what's like, it just seems like in a year where nobody made anything, how do we still have, you know? I know. I think that it's not that people are overpaying necessarily, but I think it's just that if you earn income, I mean, it's taxable and you have to pay taxes on that. And especially if you are earning it on a freelance basis or a contract basis, what comes up so often for people is that you're getting the full income and you're not having taxes taken out. And then it's shocking when you have to end up Mm -hmm. handing over so much of it uh, to the government. And so I think that's something we see come up a lot, especially since so many people have switched from full-time jobs where you're paying taxes as you go to freelance work. Is this sort of unprecedented? Were there any protections built in for a pandemic or a national crisis? Has the U.S. ever extended tax deadlines before? I don't think so. I think this is unprecedented on every level. And the amount of financial stress that Americans are feeling is also so high. I mean, we of course, we can think of times in history where financial stress has been just as high and people have gone through a lot. But this is definitely up there with one of those times. And so I think that there's just there's a lot of talk about what can help people. How can we get through this? And of course, the stimulus payments are very helpful for people. And so that's one answer that people have turned to. But I think taxes, it's just it's so complicated. And then when you suddenly owe money that you weren't expecting or anticipating, it just adds to the strain on people. Yeah. I mean, it's, I wonder if it shouldn't have just been canceled for 2020, but I don't know if that's a thing that's ever, ever happened before, ever come up before. Just cancel taxes? Yeah. Is that a thing that could possibly happen? (laughs) I don't think so because taxes are also what saves us. I mean, the only reason we can have stimulus payments is because of taxes. I mean, it's what's funding everything, right? right? And so- haven't heard that suggested, but intriguing idea. <laughs> the, yeah, this show is basically just like cancel everything. <laughs> but also, I, I yeah, I understand that it feeds into itself. That's where Social Security, that's yeah. where stimulus checks came out of. So of the Americans who failed to file 2019 taxes into 2020, a lot of them said that they filed after because they knew they owed taxes and they just were not able to pay what do you do if you owe money, but you like have truly no idea how to pay it? Because I think the payment plan is just like if you're already on student loan payment plan and you're already on debt payment plan, what happens if you just get that bill and you're just like, I literally cannot? Yeah. I mean, that happens to a lot of people. It's a common scenario. And I think the best choice is to actually, if you don't have your answer for you on the IRS website and you need to talk to someone, I would call the IRS. And actually just say you cannot pay and then you will have your options laid out for you. And they do, I mean, they are designed, the IRS is ready and designed to help people with this situation since it's so common. And so they have different kinds of short-term or longer-term payment plans. And I I hear what you're saying, like no one wants another payment plan, but there's not really a way to just get out of paying taxes or avoid it altogether. No, you can't. You really can't. And I wouldn't bring it up other than just like this was such a – terrible year for people. And 
you know, I don't think anyone could have predicted in 2019 what would happen in 2020. So it makes sense that the people who aren't filing are up way more in the past year. Absolutely. Do you think that that will continue into 2021? I think it really depends on how the economy does and how people can start to get back to work and earn as much income as they were before. It really depends on that because the last year, I mean, as you know, it was just devastating for Mm -hmm. so many people. And so a lot of times there's other things going on too. So maybe you have a big tax bill, but you also have a lot of credit card debt that you're trying to figure out how to pay off Mm -hmm. or other forms of debt. And so sometimes it's not just about tackling the tax debt or what you owe for your taxes, but it's also thinking through, can you find ways in other parts of your financial life to alleviate some of the stress? Maybe it means consolidating your credit card debt or figuring out a different plan for your student loan debt. Mm -hmm. It's all of these factors that we have to look at as a whole and not just the taxes because like you pointed out, I mean, it's they're all coming due every month and it's hard to juggle everything. Yeah, it's a holistic approach. The report said that half of Americans are anticipating a refund of $2,000 on average. Is that higher than usual or is it rather, you know, typical refund findings? Yeah. So the refunds that people are expecting, that $2,000 figure, it's pretty typical. And we find that every year, people, about half of the people who file their taxes are expecting that level of refund. And it's actually very beneficial for a lot of people because then they take that refund and they put it towards something they really need. So they might use it towards paying off credit card debt, other kinds of debt. They might use it to rebuild their emergency savings. Uh, So for a lot of people, that refund is almost like a savings mechanism. And it's a way to make sure they can handle their other bills. If people already have all that covered, what do you recommend they do if they get a refund like that? The best thing to do if you if you already have taking care of the most pressing things like credit card debt, Mm -hmm. which is super high interest and expensive, the best thing to do is to put it into your emergency savings fund. We actually found that so many people completely depleted their savings funds over the last year because they had to, they had no choice. And people use their emergency savings to pay for essentials like food and housing. And so if you can take your refund, if you're getting one and put it back into emergency savings, it just gives you a little bit of leeway to handle future emergencies. So that can be a really good option. And if you do save it, you want to make sure it's in some kind of high yield savings account. So it's earning money and it's not just sitting there. What are some examples of high yield savings accounts? Online savings accounts generally have higher yields. And all I mean by that is that it's the interest rate that you're earning on that money. And so even if you just do a quick online search right now, you can see that if you use an online high yield savings account, you can typically get like 0.1% back instead of a regular bank account, which is 0.01%. So I would definitely suggest looking at the online banks. So most Americans think that the tax filing system is too complicated. It was like 78%. What are some ways that it could be simplified? It's so hard because a lot, this is basically an issue, of course, that Congress would have to tackle. And in the past, they have, they can't agree on anything. And so it doesn't really seem like it's going to be simplified anytime soon, if ever. And so it's almost as if we just have to deal with it and figure out a way to at least make it so 
we can get through the tax period without really unpleasant surprises, like owing more than we think. So in general, for most people, that means just understanding what's coming and knowing the knowing what things like we already talked about, like is unemployment income tax, mm-hmm. is the stimulus payment tax. And as long as you understand that, and you can avoid some of those surprises, it just makes it easier to navigate because I really don't see the tax system getting simpler anytime soon. I know, but it's they're so scary and overwhelming. And and I have heard from past guests like they don't really need you to be like like they could they could do it the opposite direction where instead of you telling them and then maybe getting it wrong, like they could tell you. Like there's so many ways that it wouldn't have to be so complicated with so many forms and files. But instead, I feel like they're like, no, do all the forms. Here's all the you need to make sure you have all the the files and you need to make sure you chase down, you know, your employers. And it feels like a like a weird trick where they've just made it as complicated as possible. Yeah, I think that it is really frustrating. And if we were starting from scratch, I don't think anyone would design it this way. No, it's just no. And so it's it's really frustrating. But at the same time, there's not an obvious solution that it seems like we're going to be able to push for. Yeah. Related, the report said that 3 in 10 2020 filers felt stressed or anxious about making a mistake on federal income taxes. I am constantly worried about making a mistake, even though I'm not (laughs) even 100% sure what kind of mistake I could possibly make. What are some common mistakes that people make that they should look out for? Well, it's kind of funny because the most common mistakes are actually really simple. People just, they literally just write their name incorrectly or like maybe they change their name and they forget to use their current name or they just copy their their social security number incorrectly or they use their wrong address because people moved and then they forget, you know, just silly mistakes like that are actually the most common mistakes. So usually you can save yourself from making those just by reading it over very carefully before you hit submit. So that's probably the best thing to do. And then the other mistake that's really easy to make is just not putting in all of the relevant paperwork. So say you got a income form from a freelance job that you just lost or you forgot about. That's very common because it's so easy to do. And then also in the other direction, maybe you forget to include some of your deductions. So maybe you made a donation and you forget to include that. It's definitely worth just like running through the most common deductions just to make sure you're taking advantage of them. So, I mean, just to say some of the most common ones are things like student loan interest deduction, child tax credits, a medical expenses deduction. I would definitely recommend just taking a look at the IRS lays them out really easily to scroll through. Just make sure you're not forgetting something. Yeah, what I mean, in my head, I have this idea that like I'm going to forget one income that I got and they're going to like bust down my door and be like, you're arrested. What actually happens if you do make a mistake? (laughs) Well, you definitely shouldn't worry about that because the first step is much less scary. You literally will get a letter in the mail from the IRS. It, It is a little scary getting that letter, but you know, no one's busting down your door. So you have a chance to correct the record And so you don't have to be too worried about it. But of course, you want to make sure that you're honest. What we're seeing a lot this year is actually scam artists preying on people who are worried about this kind of thing. So if you get a phone call or an email 
from the IRS saying that you, you know, made a mistake on your taxes or something needs to be corrected, definitely ignore it or treat it very skeptically because the IRS is very clear that the first way they reach out to people is through snail mail. Yeah, they're not, the IRS is not going to call you and ask for your social security number. The IRS is not going to send you an email. That's a thing that I've heard a lot that people get really scared because they don't really understand the system. And so they're like, oh my God, the IRS called me and I need to like give them my credit card info. And that's just like not a thing. So don't, don't do that. No, it's not. And actually the scams have really picked up this year, I think because of everything we're talking about, because there's so much anxiety and stress. I mean, the scam artists are preying on that and you just want to be extra careful. So like if you make a mistake, it's fairly easy to to correct and it's not something that they're going to just like come to your house and arrest you for. Definitely not. <laughs> no one should be worried about that. So you have a chance to correct it. You just you get a letter in the mail and then the first thing is to send back the paperwork correcting it. And it's usually I mean, usually it's just more paperwork and there's no arrests involved at all. Okay. So <laughs> what are some of the biggest like tax misconceptions that people have? I think that the biggest one and probably super relevant this year is that people just don't realize that you have to pay taxes on unemployment income. It seems like something you might not need to pay taxes on. Right. So that's the one that I'm hearing so much of. And then when there are changes, like one change, I mean, in general, everything is pretty stable in terms of the law for this year. And we're not, you know, there's no nothing huge that's changed. But there is one difference, which is that with the charity deduction, you can actually deduct up to $300 without itemizing. So that means that you can still take the standard deduction and still deduct $300 uh, if you've made that charitable contribution. And I think that because so many people are moved to donate over the last year because there's so much need, that can be really helpful to know. And I think that a lot of people are surprised by that because it's new. Yeah, that was my next question, because I imagine there's been a lot of upping of donations due to COVID relief funds and Black Lives Matter. And I was going to ask if there was any updates on charity deductions. I know people sometimes don't realize that GoFundMes aren't deductible and that there are certain charitable donations that are not deductible, right? Like political donations. What What is deductible and what isn't? And what changed? Hmm, that is a really good question. Okay, so what has changed is that this for the 2020 tax year, you can deduct up to $300 without itemizing. So you're still taking the standard deduction and you can still deduct that $300. But to your point, you need to make sure that you have the receipt that it's eligible uh, because it's a donation that is to an organization that is eligible for that kind of donation. You want to make sure you keep all that paperwork because if you don't, or if it's some to some cause or something that's not legitimate, uh, then you may get that letter from the IRS asking you to explain. Political donations aren't deductible. GoFundMe's aren't deductible. Like what? What's the yeah. little list of what people should know? You know that that's not something I have focused on, so I don't really know what is not included. Um, I just know that you need to make sure that you have a receipt from an organization that the IRS considers eligible for that kind of charity. Mm -hmm. And so it's definitely something to check ahead of time because you don't want to be surprised. Your Twitter is great. And I saw that you retweeted tax season could bring unwelcome debt surprises. And so I was I went and read that article. And it's basically like collection agencies can't take your refund from the IRS directly, but they can take it once it's in your bank account or there's a risk of garnishment because of debt collection judgment. Can you explain that a little bit for yes. people that have debt? 
Of course. So this has actually come up a lot this year because debt, of course, is an issue for so many people. And I think the first thing to know is that, and this is a little different from what you're talking about, but the first thing to know is that if you have had debt forgiven this year, like credit card debt that was forgiven, that is actually considered taxable income. And I think people are surprised by that because you know, you think it's forgiven debt, you don't need to pay tax on it, but it's actually considered taxable income. So that's something to know and set aside money to pay for. And then what you're talking about, if you actually have debt collectors coming after you, you want to make sure that your refund, if you're getting a refund is protected. There are ways to do that. The easiest way is actually to just request to get that refund as a paper check and to cash it. Because in some cases, If your bank account has been garnished because of the debt collectors, you have a debt collection judgment against it, then the the debt collectors can actually take the money uh, from your account, the refund from your account. So it's actually safest to get a paper check just to make sure you that you get it. Uh, Because if you're in that situation, you probably really need it. Wow. So that wow, that's actually a really great tip. (laughs) I had no idea that if you have debt forgiveness, they can take garnishment out of that. I just didn't even know or that it was taxable income. I know. It's it's actually just an area that I think not many people know about because it's so, I mean, it's so complicated, like we've been talking about. And it can really be surprising. And for people in the situation, you know, it comes at a really bad time. Yeah. I mean, are there any other sort of, I know we talked about them throughout, but is there anything else kind of like that that's like a really, really unwelcome surprise that happens often? Yes. I think the other one that's been coming up a lot this year because of the pandemic is that because a lot of people took advantage of programs like forbearance uh, for student loans and mortgages, that means that they temporarily pause their loan payments. And that means that even though the interest is usually still accruing, you're not paying that interest. And in a typical year, when you're paying that interest, it's actually deductible um, from your taxes. So it reduces your tax bill. And so for people in that situation, it could mean that suddenly they do have a higher tax bill because they don't have that deductible interest. So it's like another one of those overly complicated situations that might just end up surprising people. Oh my God. (laughs) That But then it just seems like a lot of these things that they did to to help during the pandemic are a wash. I mean, it definitely can turn out like that. And I think for a lot of people in this situation who decided to take the forbearance programs, they also they did it because their income dropped so much. And if that's the case, your tax bill will likely be lower because, of course, you know, the more income you earn, the more taxes you pay. And so it might just it might not have a huge impact on people, but for some people, it certainly will. Filing an extension is free, but are you charged interest on filing an extension on your taxes? Filing uh, for an extension is free. And if you don't owe any money or you're expecting a refund, completely free, no cost at all. If you do owe money, it's still due by April 15th. So you could get an extension and just pay over an estimate of what you owe to avoid paying interest. But if you are not paying and you're filing for an extension, then in general, yes, you will end up paying interest and maybe even fees because you're essentially paying late. How do you not uh, just lie down on the floor and give up? (laughs) 
it can, I mean, sometimes you just have to, you know, give yourself a break because it's so overwhelming. I think a lot of people might feel that sense of despair, especially this year. So I think that the best thing to kind of try to overcome that is just to be as crazy organized as possible and just try to at least, at least help avoid surprises because I think that just makes it all worse. Yeah. Where can people find the most reliable information if they're freaking out right now? (laughs) Well, at NerdWallet, we have a whole section about taxes and what you need to know. Of course, if you want to go to the original source of everything about taxes, the irs.gov site is great. And so if you have a specific question, like you want to see a list of something or check your eligibility IRS is a great website. If you want some more explanation, if you want calculators for to help figure out your estimated taxes at NerdWallet, we have all of that on our website. So, I mean, yes, there's a lot out there just to help you avoid some of those surprises. Okay. Is there like any sort of tip or trick where you're like, let me give you this, kid? <laughs> okay. My best tip is to file as soon as possible. And that's to avoid identity theft because what? we're actually seeing this. Yes. We are seeing this happen where people will impersonate you and file taxes on your behalf and then they get your refund. And so you want to make sure that doesn't happen. You don't want your refund going to someone else. And so a way to do that is just don't procrastinate, file your taxes sooner to avoid someone else pretending to be you and filing for you. How can someone do that? They basically use your personal information, but you know, give their own address or bank account to get that refund. And it's a, it's a scam that is unfortunately pretty popular. How are they getting your information? Well, I mean, they get your information maybe because you accidentally shared it online. Maybe they stole your mail. I mean, they get your information all kinds of ways. Yeah. Look, I feel like if someone goes through that much effort, (laughs) maybe maybe they need it. I don't know. But you might need it too. (laughs) That is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Here's what I would like. I would like to know our government is going to use taxpayers' money for things that benefit the average taxpayer. I would like billionaires to pay higher taxes than the average Joe. I would like the entire tax filing process to be simplified. I would like filing my taxes to not take up days or weeks of my life and give me new gray hairs. I would like unemployment insurance to not be taxed. I would like that there not be surprises of taking taxes from people's debt. I would like the whole system to be less scary. But like Kim said, this is the current process and it's unlikely to change anytime soon. In my opinion, the people who could make the changes have no concept of the struggle of adding another payment plan to an increasing mountain of, let's say, medical or student loan debt, and that getting an extension can have fees and interest. What the hell? It's exhausting. But obviously, everything that we bring up on this show is kind of exhausting. You should be prepared for that by now. In the meantime... I hope this episode provided some useful information a week before 2021's tax deadline. Who knows? Maybe you'll get a refund. Hello, and welcome to our new segment, Dear Gabby, where I listen to your voicemails, listen to your voice memos, or read emails from you guys related to the episode's topic or just because I want to. Okay, 
Hi Gabby, here's how the pandemic has changed my money reality. I'm super fortunate to be working from home in a pretty stable job, but my fiance was furloughed right when this started. He's a tour guide at a brewery, so he literally can't do his job until the world is safe again. Before this, we only used our joint account when we were paying for joint expenses, but we've started paying for his expenses from our joint account too, so he doesn't have to deplete his savings while he's out of work. We also shifted from an in-person, 100-person wedding next year to a live stream small ceremony next weekend. We still want to throw a big party to celebrate eventually, but it probably won't cost as much as we'd originally planned, so we have an unexpected 25k save that we won't be spending on our wedding. I'm trying to be cautious with my money because I'm anticipating having to support someone else in my family before all this is over. I want to make sure that if my little sister gets laid off from her small company or my soon-to-be sister-in-law is actually forced to stop dyeing hair, they'll be alright. We were also just named godparents to our stepniece, and we want to make sure that she'll be alright if anything were to happen to both her parents and she was put in our care. I really feel like we haven't hit the worst of the economic fallout of the pandemic, so I'm trying to think ahead as much as possible. This whole thing sucks. Hope you're staying healthy and well. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Man. Well, I think that this is called anxiety. But also, you're being smart. And I think that one partner having to pick up the slack, not even slack, because that sounds judgmental, but one partner having to care for the other partner right now is probably an extremely relatable situation. So if you are in a similar situation and you're in a long-term partnership or a partnership and one of you is able to work and one isn't, write in. I would love to hear more stories like this because I'm sure this is incredibly relatable. Okay. Hi, Gabby. I'm a former librarian, but I quit my job when my nearly three-year-old twins were born to stay home with them. However, after their six-day NICU stay, surgery for one at three weeks old, ongoing testing to monitor his condition, and hospitalization for pneumonia for his sister last year, we were crazy in debt with medical bills. If you want to hear more about medical bills, you can listen to a Just Between Us episode where we interviewed the guy from RIP Medical Debt. It's a very fascinating interview. Back to the email. We also had student loans and a mortgage on a house that needed lots of work. I was working part-time on the weekends at a bakery to make ends meet. I was laid off mid-March, though, and have been making more on unemployment than I made at work. That's relatable. My roommate is in the same situation. Okay, back to the email. We also sold our house in March for less than we wanted, but enough for a small profit. We are now debt-free and have a modest savings. We're living in a small two-bedroom apartment, though, and I feel like nowhere is safe for my kids. I wish we had a yard, and they ask about our old house all the time. I'm feeling desperate to leave and buy a new house, but finances are uncertain, and we won't have this cushion after my unemployment ends. I'm feeling guilty about my anxiety, though, because so many other people are in different situations that are so much worse. Do not feel anxious. This is a hard time and dealing with any sort of change. People are in financial grief. I don't know if I've coined that term or if I just heard it somewhere, but people are in financial grief and that's what it sounds like you're in. Of course, you thought you would have a better situation for your kids. Like, of course, you've been through tons of stress, even medical related stress, which might be triggered by how much medical related death is around us now. I mean, I think grief is a really big part of this. And I think financial grief is something that we should be considering now and also as something that will need long-term care. Like we want to talk about the PTSD of COVID or the trauma of COVID, but I think financial grief stemming from this national depression and massive job loss is something that we will need to address as a mental health issue.
Bad With Money is a production of the Westwood One Podcast Network. Our show is produced and edited by Lindsay Floyd and sound engineered and mixed by Joey Salvia. The supervising producer is Lindsay Floyd and the executive producer is John Wardock. Theme song was performed by Sam Barbera and written by Mike Kaplan, Zach Sherwin, and Jack Dolgen. Additional music by Joey Salvia. I'm Gabby Dunn and I will talk to you next Wednesday. <laughs>